Welcome to the Reconcile Community Church podcast. We hope and pray that the resources that will be shared on here would be a blessing to you. If you want more information or to support our church financially as we do the work in the beautiful Queen City of Cincinnati, Ohio, you can find more information about that at www.reconcilecincy.org. Be blessed. This morning, it you know it's been fun to uh, always come to specialty days, right? Uh, usually, uh, you know that you're going to see people come into church on three occasions: Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day. They don't even acknowledge Fathers and Father's Day, uh, but but you know for a fact that there are probably people who are watching virtually and people who are here. Um, man, we come on Christmas, Mother's Day. In Easter, we call them see and meet Christians sometimes, just as a tongue-in-cheek joke. Uh, but there's something to be said about about a mom, right? Um, and just the importance of being able to share words of encouragement to our moms that I believe also can shed light and encouragement for all of us. Um, and so uh, we, we set out this day to make it special. Um, it's interesting because in a lot of ways, I had some other things that I wanted to go about uh, communicating with us today as related to Mother's Day, but, um, but there's something about the encouragement of moms, that, that moms have a way of being able to share the facts of life in such a way that sometimes we don't necessarily always love to receive, but there's something about the wisdom that moms give to us. And so today, in a lot of ways, I want to preach from this thought, encouragement from a mother. Um, and the mother that I'm in, indicating here uh, as we begin to navigate is going to be that none other than Mary. Um, many people are uh, know who Mary is, Jesus's mom. Um, now, we have some brothers and sisters who would uh, put her on par with Jesus. I'm not going to say that. She was still a broken individual who needed a savior. Um, and so we wouldn't say that she's on par with Jesus in any stretch of imagination. But she was a mom who... Um, who knew Jesus and followed Jesus. And in her life, I truly believe that there are tidbits, there are snapshots in her life that I think will help us find encouragement for our own lives. And so as an encouragement for us, I want to preach from that thought today. And so as we navigate through this, there are going to be various passages of scripture. So I want to encourage you uh, to keep your Bibles open as we navigate through this today. And it'll be on the screens for a lot of it. Um, But there is something important to be shared here. Let's go before the Lord and let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this opportunity to come to the word of God. Lord, I'm thankful for all of the ways in which you have moved and operated in our lives, especially through the wisdom and love of the mother. And so, Lord, I pray that we will find hope and encouragement from the scriptures uh, that would point us to Jesus, uh, but also uh, show us uh, just the um, wisdom uh, that we can have from um, individuals who walk closely with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give me preaching power, that you would give me the ability to declare your word truthfully and honestly, that at the end of the day, you will be high and lifted up. Because in your word, you said that if you are high and lifted up, you'll draw all men and women to yourself. We thank you. We love you. This in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. This morning I came in and um, as I was, you know, getting set up for ministry today for Sunday gathering, um, I came in with a bit of a heavy heart. Ministry's hard. Um, I, I had some of my different, um, I had some some hardships, you know, things that I was navigating. I just kind of had like a, a, a down attitude. 
about today. I'm it just, it's just been tough, right? And so I was kind of moping around here, um, putting things together. I'm praying over the seats as I usually do and doing all of these things when I get a knock on the door. Um, and it's not out of the ordinary. Every Sunday, there's always a knock on the door. And it's Miss Sonia. Miss Sonia is the lady who helps clean. She services this building. Um, and so I've talked to Miss Sonia countless times. We've talked a lot. Um, but on this day, it just so happened uh, that we had a, a conversation that I needed to hear. And so as we were talking and she was telling me about, you know, just it's Mother's Day. And I was asking her, what is she going to do today? And she was telling me that she's going to, you know, get a crab boil today because she loves food spicy. And I'm laughing and, you know, she's like, you know, bringing levity to, to my life. She doesn't know what I'm going through, uh, but she's just telling me about what she's going to do for Mother's Day. It got to a point where I think she knew that there was something that I needed to hear. And almost on the dime, she says, you know, I'm really thankful for it today because um, five months ago I was in the hospital and I was like, really, what, what happened? She said, you probably saw it on the news, uh, but there was an accident some uh, months back where uh, there were two vehicles driving. I was going one way and another young person was going the opposite way. They were going about 100 miles an hour and they hit me head on. My car careened over uh, into a yard and thankful for a ring doorbell um, that people were able to capture it. She says, you know, a lot of extensive damage happened to me. She showed me the scars on her hands and on her face. Uh, she showed me a picture of her uh, in the hospital. And she said, I keep this with me uh, to keep me humble. But then she said this, I tell people, don't complain about life. Don't complain about life. She says, the reason why I walk around here, Brandon, and I know, she said, I know, you always say, tell me, where's my help? She said, but I'm just thankful that I can move around. And she was like, you know, so I just want to encourage you, even when things get tough, like, it could always be worse. So just be thankful. That stuck with me. There's something about encouragement from a mother. There's something about this idea that sometimes moms have this intrinsic ability to be able to speak words of hope and life to us. In that moment, Miss Sonia, a mother who's celebrating Mother's Day today, gave a word of encouragement to um, a person who's not her son, but the opportunity presented itself. And as a mother, she was able to give words of encouragement. We find ourselves in the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And one of the things that we see about Mary is that she has this uncanny ability to cling to Jesus even when all things in life were taking place. Mary shows us a lot about um, the walk of the Christian faith. And I think uh, she can share with us on today the same type of encouraging words that I think will help us in our own walks with the Lord. Uh, just like how Miss Sonia gave me words of encouragement, my hope and prayer is that through the life of Mary, you and I can have encouragement as well. Here's the big idea of our text today, that Mary's life can serve as an encouragement for believers to deepen their faith in Christ no matter the circumstances. So we'll look at snapshots of Mary's life, snapshots of different uh, seasons in her life. And, and my hope and prayer is that this common thread that you see is that she would serve as an encouragement for all of us to deepen our faith in Christ no matter the circumstances. So what are some of the encouraging words that Mary can give to us 
as believers here today on Mother's Day for both the moms in the room, but then for those of you who are who are watching us today. The first thing that she can share with us as a word of encouragement is that questions uh, that questions can lead to faith. Questions that lead to faith. This is the first thing that we see in the life of Mary that she shows us that there is an ability for us to have questions about things, and the trajectory would be towards faith and not towards despair. What do I mean by this? In Luke chapter 1, the birth narrative of Jesus, it says this in the text, in verse 34. After uh, the, the, the uh, angel is sharing with Mary that she's about to have this son named Jesus, uh, she's going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and there's just this, there's a lot of complexities in this statement, right? We get this particular passage of Scripture in verse 34. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. We see this particular passage of scripture, and in a lot of ways, uh, we blow by it. But she's letting us in on something. It's okay to have questions. This narrative shares with us in the moment where she was the most vulnerable, she was able to offer herself up even with questions. And the angel was able to handle it. Why was the angel able to handle it? the questions that she had, because he knew that God had sent him on, a on an assignment to tell her this news. In so fact, thinking of this, the reality is that God knew that she would probably have questions, and he, provi he provided this an the answers through this angel. But there was this idea, and there's this connotation that Mary had questions about what was about to happen. God, how are you really about to do this? But then the way she responds is important. She gives us this reality, and this is something that we have to, we have to contend with in a Christian life, that you're going to have questions about what God is doing and how he does it. See, a lot of us are, are, have been bought this lie that we can't question you know, God. We can't wrestle with the things of God. Like we can't, there's not enough space, right? That that's just a no-no. But no, there's space for us to have questions to bring to the Lord. Mary had questions, big questions. How does this make sense? How is this going to happen, God? Like, like, I'm, like, I'm struggling to figure this one out. And the same thing happens with you. God, I don't know how this is going to work out. God, I know you said that I'm supposed to take these steps, but right now this ain't looking right. I know that you told me that I'm supposed to bite my tongue. I'm supposed to hold off. I'm supposed to, I got two, I got two ears and one mouth. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to listen slowly and respond slowly. Listen quickly, respond slowly. But it just seems like they river dancing on my last good nerve. Lord, I got questions. It's okay to have questions. Because here's the reality. Our God that we serve has broad shoulders. Your questions are not necessarily uh, outside of the realm of him being able to answer and to uh, accurately respond. He knows that you have questions. But look at how she responds. There's two ways that we can respond to the questions of life. I've already cut across the field. One type of way is that questions can lead us to hopelessness and despair. And then there's another way that we can respond to the questions of life, and that can lead to faith. I want to give you two passages of scriptures 
from two particular ladies in our text who were posed with some, 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 some interesting situations. Both of them have the same situation that's taken place, but they respond differently. The first one is a lady by the name of Sarah. It is told to her that she would conceive of a child at her old age. She had passed the age of being able to give birth in the, in the physical sense, where all of the, the doctors and, 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 and everyone else in the birth community have been like, uh, this ain't gonna happen. That 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 time frame has that that time frame has closed off. You not you know I know you I know you what you're thinking, but this may not be what it is. But she's given this revelation. She's going to bear a son. And she responds this way in Genesis 18, verse 12. So she laughed to herself after I am worn out, she says, and my Lord is old. Will I have delight? You read this and you think that doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But it's showing us where her heart was with the questions that she that was she posed. She posed the question, how is this going to be? But her heart was already set on the reality that this is not possible. It wasn't that she was laughing because she was like, and God going to do what God going to do. I don't know how this is going to work, but I can believe and trust that God will do it. No. She laughed because deep down in her heart, she didn't believe that God could do that. She, she saw this as an opportunity for her to literally, in a lot of ways, think that the Lord is like God is, is playing with me. This is a cruel joke. Can lead to despair. Can lead to toxic doubt. Some of us have responded to the things of God like this. We've been posed a question, God has given you an answer, and you've been like, nah, that ain't it. Because deep down in our heart, what it's saying to us is that we don't truly believe that you have the ability to be able to come through on what the promise is that you gave to me. And in a lot of ways, we're like Sarah, more like Sarah than we dared imagine. We doubt God a lot. But we doubt him to the point where it becomes toxic doubt where we believe that there's no way that God can do this for me. Sarah laughed. But listen to how Mary responds. Mary responds like this in verse number 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. See the response? She had questions. They both had questions. How is this going to happen? Sarah responds like, man, please. But Mary, not really understanding everything, exercises faith. It doesn't make sense, but I trust who you are. And I'm your servant. Mary shows us something. That God can handle our questions. But at the same time, the way that we handle his responses tell a lot about who and what we serve. If we truly believe in the God that we serve, we will respond accordingly. Even when the answer to our questions may not necessarily be the way we thought it would be, we still exercise faith that God and who he is and what he said he is about himself, then we can trust in that, knowing that, man, there may be some murkiness that may be taking place. I may not understand how everything's going to come about, but God, I trust you. 
That's essentially what I'm saying. Mary responds with faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1 tells us that now is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. In the gap, when God says, I'm going to do this after you said, I don't know how this is going to work. God says, I'm going to do it this way. Just trust me. The gap between you actually seeing it fully played out and you where you are right now, that gap is where your faith steps in. And you can say, you know what, I'm going to follow you, even though I may not have all of the picture together. I can trust that I can follow you. Why can we trust that we can follow him? Because he's a good God. His track record is that he's always made people trust him in these steps. He's not always given them every single step along the way, but he wants them to exercise faith in him. The same way that Mary exercised faith in having a son named Jesus as she is a virgin is the same level of faith that you and I should have even after we give our questions to the Lord. When he responds, we respond with a faithful yes. The picture of this is when Abram was still comfortable with his family. He was still very comfortable, as the scriptures would tell us in Genesis. The book of Genesis tells us that, man, uh, Abram had money. His family had money. He had uh, a comfortable life. And all of a sudden, uh, God tells him, I need you to go. He says, where do you want me to go? And God says, uh, you start taking steps and I'll, I'll, I'll show you along the way. But he says, here's the promise. This is why I need you to leave that I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Look up in the stars. Try to count them. He can't. Look at the sand that you are literally walking in. Try to count each pebble. That is the amount of, of offspring and generations that you'll have. But I'm, I'm going to do this for you, but I need you to trust me to get you to the land that I need you to be at. With no GPS, with no map quest, with no Apple Maps or none of that, the text tells us, Abram got up and he went. It's the same exercise of faith that we must have. God has probably given you something that he wants you to do. You don't have all of the steps along the way, but like Mary, I'm your humble servant. And we exercise faith. So your questions can lead to faith. God can handle your questions. The deeper question is, can you handle when God tells you, now I need you to exercise faith as I answer said questions. The second thing that Mary shows us in this life is this uh, sweet opportunity for us to treasure the promises of God, to treasure the promises of God. Let's fast forward a little bit in Mary's life. Jesus uh, is, in a lot of ways, a child. He's probably a toddler during this time. And then we see later on that he would be a little bit older. So these are two separate incidents. And her response to these incidents are the same. Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 19. That's on the screen. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. What was happening? This is right after all of these people had come in and they were presenting gifts and they were talking about all of the things that Jesus would be and who he would become. All of these people are coming in. Remember, they were poor peasants and they were staying in uh, literally what would be considered like an outhouse. But all of these people, angels are rejoicing and all of this stuff is happening. And she's just taking it all in. And the text tells us that she's not out there like making a big scene. It's really her ducked off. And it says that she's treasuring all of these things and pondering them in her heart. 
Luke chapter 2, verse 51 says this. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother, mother treasured all these things in her heart. What's taking place here? Jesus is now a little bit older. They're going to Jerusalem. And as they are going to Jerusalem so that he can be presented in the temple, there's these two individuals who literally drop everything. They have literally been alive long enough for them to come into contact with Jesus. I need you to get this. These people have been waiting for Jesus to come. Their whole life literally has been banking on this moment. And we see him being presented and they begin to wax eloquently about who Jesus is and what he would become. And in this moment, you don't see Mary going all out and doing all these things. What it says is that she treasures all of these things in her heart. After the news of Jesus being born to the temple stories, literally folks saw Jesus and they would go crazy. And there was this idea that no matter what took place, each time she would do something that literally seems like a throwaway line. She treasured it in her heart and pondered what it meant. You see, our natural response would be to gloat and to make a scene. But Mary was overwhelmed and maybe still had questions. But she captured those moments and in a sense, put them away for a rainy day. She was hearing all of these things. She's pondering all of these things. This is high watermark moments for her. And in a lot of ways, she took those moments where God was showing up, these high moments in life where God was at least was blessing her soul and she was tucking them away. It was a beautiful thing to each uh, end each story this way. But can you imagine what she would have saw? Can you imagine the things that she knew? That she would have pondered what they could have meant, it probably led her to great joy. She shows us this idea, one, that God is always moving in amazing ways. But she shows us something. She gives us a tool to help us when God may not move the way you necessarily want him to move in certain seasons in your life. How do we navigate when we find ourselves in the valley? How do we navigate when we find ourselves in the desert where it doesn't seem like God is speaking all that like that? How do we navigate in those moments where we feel distant from God? Mary gives us a tool. This idea of treasuring up these moments and pondering them in their heart. My father, one of my fathers in the ministry tells me this idea and this concept. He says, you all need to have a spiritual Rolodex of nothing but God moments. And he says, you're going to need these nothing but God moments because in life, uh, you're not going to always be up and to the right. It's not going to always be sunshine like it is right now. There are going to be moments where you are going to go through dark nights of the soul, where you are going to be in the midst of storms and you're going to look around and there are not going to be a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. It's just going to be storm and storm and storm and storm. And you're going to be looking for Jesus. You're going to be looking for the Savior. And it may be hard for you to find him. He's there. You just may have tough time navigating and feeling his presence in these moments. This is, this is, a, this is a reality of life. Every one of us have figured, have been in this situation. We've all gone through a series where we've been in the midst of a dark time. 
just because you're in a dark time doesn't mean that you are like God doesn't love you or that you've done something to put yourself there. No, sometimes God puts us in these dark nights of the soul to remind us of our utter dependence on him. But how do we get through these moments with hope? And know that you can pull out your spiritual Rolodex of nothing but God moments to remind you that if God could do that, then he's surely with you now. It's an opportunity. It's a mechanism to help you to navigate the tough moment when you can be reminded of the ways in which God moved and it blew your mind. It's the whole idea that one day you could be doing one thing and then next door, next thing you know, a whole door opens up that you didn't even know or can conceive was possible. Chris, do I got a witness? And we store these moments up for rainy days. What would have been her rainy days? I'm glad you asked. Because we celebrate Good Friday, but somebody's son was getting killed. And here's the thing that's interesting about this passage. The disciples left. Majority of them deserted. But you know who was there the entire way? Jesus' mama. What would have kept her there? I've always pondered this as she's listening to them in these trumped up charges. I wonder what kept her there. I wonder what kept her there as she was watching her son be beat as he was trying to carry this beam as blood was leaving his body quickly. What would have kept her there as she would have been in the midst of crowds where people were spitting and chanting these names like all of these obscenities of Jesus, her son who she would have bore, the son that she knew that was the promise, all of this, what would have kept her there? as nails was being put into her son's wrist and in his feet? What would have kept her there as she would have saw Jesus hanging on a cross? And she wasn't just somewhere deep in the crowd, but the text tells us in multiple gospel accounts, but she was right at the foot of the cross. So she would have had 4K vision of what was happening to her son. What would have caused her to stay right there? If I was to use my divine imagination, I would think that she was pulling out moments where God was doing things through Jesus, where Jesus was doing these amazing things over and over again, where he's turning water into wine or she's hearing how these she's remembering how these two individuals in the temple were telling her that Jesus would be this one, that this would be the one who would change the world. But this is the one that I've literally lived my life to this moment. She would have been pulling out these nothing but God moments over and over and over again to get these rough moments. I just got to believe that that's what happens, that she didn't just treasure up these moments in her heart just for lackadaisical purposes, but that she would bring them out in the darkest moments of her life to keep her through those moments. And for you and I, you and I have to do a better job of capturing those moments and treasuring them in our hearts because you're going to have to on them. You're going to have to bring them out in some of the deepest and darkest moments that you may face. It's going to be those moments, those nothing but God moments that will remind us that God is with us even in the midst of the stormiest of days. That he's there and he's present. That if he can do it then, he can do it now. If he was present in my high moments, I know that he's present here today. So we treasure these things up. But then thirdly, what we see in this text is that she turns to Jesus when things fall apart. When the bottom falls out, there's this, this concept, there's this idea in Mary's life that she just turns to her son. Like, whenever the thing, the bottom falls out, she just kind of, I'm going to Jesus. Like, that's, that's her thing. That's what she does every time. 
and we get this perfect picture because we always love this. A lot of us love this particular passage of scripture that we see in John chapter two. It's his first miracle. It's the first miracle that Jesus is recorded at doing. And you know that it's precipitated by who? His mama. Look at the text and what it says in John chapter two. The text tells us this. When the wine ran out, Jesus's mother told him they don't have any wine. And Jesus responds to her this way. What has this concern of yours to do with me, woman? Now, I know all of the mamas in here is like, Jesus shouldn't have no teeth. I know he probably, you know, he the son of God and this and the other. He can make them grow back. But like, like I'll, I'll unpack that. I'll, I'll unpack it, what it means, because it's not derogatory in nature. Uh, Jesus asks, my hour has not yet come. Listen to what his mother says to the group that is around him. Do whatever he tells you, his mother told the servants. Jesus goes to the party, and it's interesting because um, this is Jesus early on. He only had a few disciples in this moment. And uh, this is kind of a funny story because, like, Jesus is going to a, a, a wedding with his mama. Like, this is just, there's a lot of different things that we see here that's just fascinating, right? And so the text tells us back in those days, and the reasons why this is so important and why this particular situation is such a big deal is because um, when they had a wedding, it wasn't just a day. It would have been days. They would celebrate it for days. And one of the things that you need to know was that the responsibility of the father would have been that there would have been enough wine for everyone for the entire duration of the celebration. To run out of wine is a bad deal. That is a no-no. That is literally uh, changing the trajectory of that family's reputation. It's that big. And so we have this celebration that's happening. Jesus shows up with his disciples and he's sitting there chilling. He ain't thinking about no wine or nothing like he's just chilling. Right. But Mary is present. And all of a sudden, the maitre d', the person who's overseeing this deal is uh, is, is, is going to say another round. And the people kind of come out the back. And I'm just using my divine imagination. They come out the back like. Hey, bro, come on over here. We got to tell you something. Um, we ain't got no more. Why? Now, this would have been this would have been crazy. Like the, the DJ back then would have literally just stopped scratching. Like, you mean to tell me what? Like this party can't keep going. Now, everyone would have been excited and people would have been 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 inebriated at this point, because what we know is that um, a fun fact is that they would have brought the good stuff out first. The real good wine would have come out first because you got to put your best foot forward, right? You want to show the crowd like, hey, look, I got this. And then as people got happy, they would bring out kind of the, the lower stuff. They would bring out the mad dog and all the other stuff, right? They would bring that out because people are already happy. They done ran out of everything. And somehow, some way, Mary catches wind to this. And the first thing that she does is not to try to figure it out on her own. She naturally pivoted to Jesus. Now, the question is, why would she pivot to Jesus? Like, why would she do that? Why did she know? like this is this is a big deal. This is a trouble. This is a mess. There's no way that they could actually get wine back in enough time for people to like like it's over. They probably don't even got no more money because they've spent so much on this deal. Like this would have been a big deal. But her natural movement, her reflex in the midst of this, when the bottom fell out, was to turn to her son, Jesus, figure it out. That's essentially what she says. And he's like, I don't got time for this. 
That's essentially what she said. Mary knew that there was nobody else that could fix this situation. Now, we don't know why she would turn to Jesus, but we do know why she would turn to Jesus. The bottom falls out. She turns to her son. And you see the rest of the story and how it goes. Jesus is like, look, man, my time ain't came yet, this and the other. And she's like, hey, look, whatever he say, do it. What does the text tell us? That in the midst of the situation, she pivots to Jesus and then she gets out of the way. You don't hear about her any other time. The rest of the story is about how Jesus came through in the situation. I like that. Because sometimes what we do when the bottom falls out is that we come to Jesus and then we still in the midst of the process. We trying to figure out, all right, Jesus, I see you doing, but let me do this. Let me do that. Like she got out of the way. She's Jesus can handle it. And I'm gone. She steps away. What we see is this beautiful picture that takes place. That Jesus takes these purification jars, which would have been the same jars that the people would have, as they were walking into the party, they would have dipped water out to wash their hands with and their feet with. These would have been dirty clay pots. And he says, fill them up with water. And I love what Pastor H.B. Charles says about this. He says that literally Jesus would have spoke to that water and the water blushed into new wine. I like that. That he literally just does that. That's the miracle. That he takes something that was naturally one way and he changes it to something that was totally different. That's the miracle. That's what's crazy. That he can speak to things and things change and things happen. That's what takes place. And as they're ladling out the wine, the major d drinks it and he's like, wait a minute. This ain't the mad dog that we was just giving out. But y'all don't got to port wine from somewhere from like this is top tier stuff. And Jesus steps in to save the day. It was in the midst of the relationship with Jesus that deepened her resolve to know that he could handle the situation. This story reminds me of a passage of scripture in Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2. You may have heard it. It says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. When the bottom falls out of your life, the question becomes, who do you turn to? Because in a lot of ways, it's going to happen. If it hasn't happened yet, it will happen. You'll find yourself in a dark night of the soul. The bottom falls out when your plans fall through. But who do we turn to? Mary shows us we turn to Jesus. And Jesus knows what to do. Fourth, two more and I'm out of your hair. The third or fourth um, way uh, that we see this is that she models resilient love. She models resilient love. Passage shows us, and I've hinted at this particular passage, Jesus is being crucified. And in the moment where everyone is deserting Jesus, we find ourselves now at the foot of the cross. John's gospel picks up, and the reason why John can talk about this is because he would have been one of the few disciples who would have stuck around. And so you usually hear this particular passage of scripture read in the seven last saints because it is one of the seven last saints that we see of Jesus at the cross. But listen to what it says. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there 
and the disciple whom he loved. That's, G, that's uh, Jane, uh, John writing himself in the story. He loved standing nearby. He said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, talking about John, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. As Jesus was being beaten and crucified on the cross, text tells us that many of the disciples had abandoned him, but his mother was still at his side. She shows us Brazilian love. No matter what happened in Jesus' life, you didn't have to turn far. Mary was close by. The interesting thing about the story of Jesus is that we see uh, Joseph early on in the story, but we don't see him again. And some scholars think that Joseph might have passed away along the way. But there's something about the resiliency that we see in the love that Mary had, that she was with her son, even in the darkest moment of his life. She didn't abandon him. She was right there by him. First Corinthians chapter 13 is the love passage of scripture. We see this read and heard in every wedding and half the time, even people who don't know Jesus, they will have this particular passage of scripture in their wedding. It says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not uh, dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. And I put this emphasis. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It's always, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Throughout the Gospels, as Jesus' ministry took off, it almost feels at times that his family were going back to the fringes. There's this point where they come and try to get him uh, because they think he's gone off on the deep end. But Jesus tells the crowds, y'all are my people, right? Like he's, it seems like he's like distancing himself from his family. But Mary stayed. She demonstrates this unwavering love that we can strive to model in our own lives. That there's the greatest apologetic for all of us is how we love one another. How we stick with one another, even in the darkest moments. We live in a very non-committal society right now, where it's so easy for us to just discard people. It's so easy for us to write people off. It's so easy for us to say, oh, I'm done even with the very people that we say we love. But what Mary shows us is that there's a level of love that we can demonstrate to others that is literally otherworldly. That is a great apologetic. That as Ruth was with Naomi, wherever you go, I'ma go. That we can begin to live lives that are marked by resilient love. For those in our family, that may not see eye to eye, we say, you know what, I'm going to still love you. It's the ability to be able to have the tough conversations with someone who's wronged you and say, you know what, even though I have every ability to not want to do anything with you, we may not necessarily be buddy-buddy, but I want you to know, even though you've hurt me deeply, I still love you. It's this idea of us being able to walk in this manner of allowing the Lord to use us in such a way to demonstrate resilient type love. And the question for us is, do we model this in our own lives? Mary had this ability that she just stuck around. Even when she had questions about Jesus and Jesus kind of pushed her away. I don't know what you want, bro, but she said, I, it's still my son. 
And so for those of you who may have wayward children, those of you who may have wayward relationships, or the tendency and ease of the day would be to just write them off. What would it look like for you to model resilient love to them? Well, like hearing this. Because it means that in some way or shape, we're going to have to crucify our own pride and trust the reality that, man, if God loved us so much, we too can extend love to others. Mary shows us this. But then lastly, what we see is that she models to us what an obedient believer looks like. This is what she models to us. It's interesting. Jesus, we've, we follow Mary throughout her life. We've now gotten to this point. We watched her before Jesus was born. We watched her as she navigated with the early Jesus. We saw her as he was in his earthly ministry beginning and everything was taken off. She was there. We see now uh, her at the cross, right? Jesus is crucified. And now we find Mary after the resurrection. Where is Mary? That's the question that we should ask. She's been resilient. She's always been faithful. She's always been by Jesus' side through highs and lows. Where is Mary now? I think that she's probably earned her uh, um, opportunity to go off into the sunset, right? That's what we would say. We should not see Mary anymore. That's not necessarily true. Acts chapter 1 verse 14 tells us this, and it's on the screen. They all join together constantly in prayer, along with the women. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Did you catch it? I'm going to give it to you again. Listen to this. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. When Pentecost happened, where was Mary? Mary was in a prayer meeting. She was in a prayer meeting. Jesus went on up. They come back. The disciples come back to the room where they have been hiding out. And now they are praying. Where was Mary in the midst of them? She was with them in a prayer meeting. When the uh, disciple Matthias was given the opportunity after we see that uh, Judas had killed himself. Where was Mary? She was in the prayer meeting, probably sitting in that room. As the disciples came back and said, Jesus has ascended. To heaven, like we literally watched him go up. Mary is sitting there. And then they begin to pray. Fire comes down and there's this speaking of tongues. And who was in the room when that was happening? Mary. Mary was a follower of Jesus, her son. She literally was obedient. Even after he was gone, she was there. Remember those promises that she treasured? Can you imagine what she could have shared with the group now on the other side of Jesus' life? How things have been fulfilled? As they in a prayer meeting, they probably wrestling with the reality that they just saw Jesus come up. But remember all of those prayers. I would encourage you to go back and read the two uh, uh, old folk that had said something about Jesus and what that would have meant in that moment right before the spirit came. What she could have probably shared with them. She was obedient. No matter the highs and lows, she walked with the Lord. We don't know how Mary's life ends. But what we can see 
is that the trajectory of her life based off of the scriptures is that she followed the teachings and the practices and the way of Jesus. No matter the highs and lows in her life, she would have been a walking testimony. Can you imagine the people that she would have blessed along the way? But she shows us something that's beautiful. That this Christian life that we say that we want to live, we're going to have to have some stick to itness. If anyone would have had an opportunity to walk away from the faith, it would have been Mary. She endured so much, but she was still obedient. And my encouragement for us as we end our time together is do we have that same level of commitment like Mary had? She stuck with it. She was present. Will we have that same type of relationship with our with the follower with, with, with Jesus the way that she had? Where we could be present to be able to share the nothing but God wants. Where we could play our part in the kingdom of God. She shows us that we all are valuable in God's kingdom, that we all play a part. They needed Mary in that room just as much as Mary needed to be in that room. She was needed in the kingdom of God. God used her. She wasn't perfect. She was obedient. And my encouragement for you is that God is not asking for perfection. He's calling us to be obedient. And so what encouragement would you take from Mary's life that you can apply today that will help you to navigate in this life a little bit better than how you were when you first came? We're thankful for, for her life. We're thankful for the encouragement. And my hope and my prayer is that this wouldn't just be in one ear, but out the other. Let's go before the Lord and let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for the life of this mom who was obedient, uh, a mom who was not perfect, but a mom who uh, shows us um, this reality of just being present. Lord, we're thankful that we too have opportunities to be able to, um, to bring our questions to you, but to respond in faith. We are reminded that when the bottom falls out in life, that we can run to you. Lord, we are thankful for being able to treasure up all of the moments in which you have come through for us. And Lord, we are thankful that Mary shows us um, that we too have um, an opportunity to be obedient to you. And so Lord, I pray that we would be found encouraged today to continue on in our walks with you, that we wouldn't lose hope and we wouldn't quit but that our love for you and your love towards us will compel us to continue to move forward and to continue to be a part of the work that you have set before us. Lord, I pray that in those moments where our, our faith seems to wane, that you would strengthen and encourage us. Lord, in those moments where we find ourselves in the dark nights of the soul, would you remind us and comfort us in those moments? Would you remember, would you remind us to be reminded of all of the moments and ways in which you have moved in and through our lives? Help us to be walking testimonies. Help us to be a blessing to others. Help us to continue to be the salt and light that you've called us to be. We thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. Amen and amen.